Shalom, and welcome to the Discipleship Discussion Podcast, the show where we discuss how Discipleship to Messiah Yeshua informs our choices and actions in everyday life. My name is Ben Frosted, and with me today are Chris Stevens and David Johnson. Our conversation today is going to be about the art of being different. So, a couple episodes ago, we talked about relational maturity. And this topic is related, but let's just recap a couple points from that episode. We as humans struggle to get along, right? I disagree. Just joking. (laughs) (laughs) That's something that it's everywhere, right? Whether it's in, in a religious, spiritual context, you know, as believers, um, whether it's a workplace, a family, there are times where you know, we rub each other the wrong way or whatever, right? Yeah. One thing we talked about last time was that growing in relational maturity needs to be a part of growing in discipleship to Yeshua as well. And it's so true. I mean, our relational maturity needs to be going deeper as we're spiritually maturing. Yeah. Having healthier relationships is should should be part of growing in a healthy relationship with Yeshua. Absolutely. And part of our communities and congregations and families as well. I think it it's so integral and, and important to uh, to have that ability to to have that relational maturity in order to to grow together. Yeah. So what we're talking about today is going to be related. Essentially, we're wanting to talk about how to be different in a good way, right? Because the fact is that we are different. <laughs> Everyone's different, right? I mean, we know that, but sometimes you have to say the obvious because we're not all the same. And the question is how to do that well, because it's something that's unavoidable. So we might as well figure out how to do it well. Yeah. So first off, Ben, are we talking more about individual differences or congregations that have different personalities and flavors or the movement, the messianic movement, that it that it's different than other parts of the faith? Well, I think all of those are real, but ultimately each of us can only be good at how we are different as, as individuals, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to focus mostly just on the individual level uh, because that's where the practical application comes in. Mm-hmm. And and the fact is that differences can be hard, right? It's difficult to come to terms with people who disagree with us. You know, if you if you meet someone and you know you have an opinion and they have a different opinion and they disagree with you and you disagree with them, your automatic assumption is that I'm right and they're wrong. Usually, because otherwise, <laughs> if you know. if you realized you were wrong, then you would change and then you would be right. Yes. Right? None of us want to be wrong. So, you know, and and that's that's normal, that's natural to think that way. But sometimes it's hard for us to handle other people being wrong. It's hard in general, but I think it's especially difficult when it comes to matters of faith. When there are theological differences, hmm. right? And I I remember having some lengthy conversations with a friend who was of a more conventional Christian persuasion discussing the validity of Torah, right? And that's, that's, that's a conversation I think most of us have had mm-hmm. with someone at some point. And 
this person was a sincere follower of Yeshua, but they honestly could not wrap their minds around my desire to follow God's Torah, right? Mm -hmm. My desire to keep the feasts or to have Shabbat, right? And those sorts of things. Why would you walk back into bondage, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> and in situations like that, it's it's tough, yeah, right? And especially if there are people that we're close to, I think it's really tough. And it's like, you know, you could you could disagree with someone about sports, you know, which team you're rooting for or that sort of thing. And and there might even be emotions involved in that. But for some reason, when it comes to religious issues, matters of faith, the Bible, it feels like it's even bigger, right? Well, because it's what? core to your being. Yeah. Right. Like it's it's something that you're basing your entire your entire worldview and and the way you live your life is determined by those views. Right. right. And so when, when somebody challenges it, it's it's like they're challenging the core of your existence. Yeah. And I think, too, that there's well, just the fact that for us as believers are our identity and our salvation is tied in with what we believe mm -hmm. and, you know, how we understand God, how we understand Messiah and all these things. And so as soon as we enter into, you know, the theological realm, when we're in disagreements, the stakes jump up way higher, right? And suddenly, you know, there's there's like... There's more at stake in these disagreements because <laughs> there's even if it's not specifically a theological uh, like a, a salvation issue, it's still related to our salvation somehow. Mm -hmm. Right. In the mm -hmm. sense that our faith that we're living out is a part of our salvation. Yeah, Ben, that's a good point. And it's important to realize these things are important as we're discussing theology. And it's also important to remember the centuries past that we've been a part of as well and our forefathers in the faith that people have had disagreements and even bloody battles over theology so we need we need to come a little more soberly as well when we're approaching being different and saying wow this can actually get violent things can ramp up so much that relationships can get destroyed um, people can get destroyed in the middle of a disagreement yeah well, yep. it's the, one of the main reasons we have so many different denominations, right? That's right. And and yeah, the thing about disagreements is that they often get emotional, right? Our emotions get involved when we feel a sense of threat from the other person disagreeing with us. And, and it, it can happen automatically. It's not like we're trying to get worked up about it, but... The problem is that when things get too emotional, we lose our ability to think clearly and objectively, right? We become reactionary. We become subjective in the way we're thinking. Yeah, you almost, it turns into a fight or flight type emotion. You get tunnel vision and you just can't even think or, or see straight sometimes. Right. Yeah, and sometimes we, when we're having differences, we want to hold on to our perspective and our point of view, sometimes not in the end because it's the truth, but because it's our view. And when we can look objectively and realize that we're 
overly uh, emotionally connected to our own perspectives as well. Sometimes that's important to just realize, hey, wow, I'm not always objective about what's going on and I need to step back sometimes and maybe laugh at myself a little bit and take take things a little more, maybe a little more lightly. And sometimes that's hard to do when we're talking about theology, but it's still important. It can, it's possible that we can get overly serious and um, we can really damage each other in the middle of a big theological debate. Right. I think another important skill, and, and this is this is tricky for us, especially when it comes to matters of faith, but I think it's an important skill nonetheless, is just being able to step outside yourself for, for a second and try to see the world through the eyes of the person you're having this disagreement with yes and that's like that that's part of what it means to truly listen right to actually listen to what they're saying it's true because a while back i was talking with someone about theology this was over five years ago but when i was talking with this person they were turning red and a vein was sticking out of their forehead really big and i was like whoa this person looks really intense and at that point, I didn't even feel safe in the conversation, but it's a good point, Ben. We need to be able to think, how is the other person feeling during this conversation and during this dialogue? And am I expressing love to the other person while we're having the interaction? Right. Yeah. And there's a skill of being able to entertain an idea that you disagree with. <laughs> Not, mm-hmm. not everyone has that skill, but it's a skill that we can all develop, right? And I think it's an important skill to have, and especially when we're dealing with disagreements. If you're able to, for a moment, entertain an idea that you disagree with, just to be able to see the world through this other person's eyes, it can help make that conversation productive instead of destructive. So when we encounter people that we disagree with, <laughs> accepting differences is a challenge, right? It's it's so easy for us to just write someone off when we disagree with them. You know, if I say that, you know, I, and like I believe that the Torah has validity in our lives today and my friend comes along and he disagrees, it's really easy for me to just say, oh, well, that person's not a sincere believer right it's or they they're not they don't have the relationship with god that they ought to have or you know somehow delegitimizing their faith right mm-hmm. and that's that's the easiest thing to do psychologically when we're confronted with this kind of difference is to just write them off yeah cuz having the idea that god has actually called them to walk a path that is in some ways we see being at odds with the path that we're on right and and just how do you reconcile that saying that god is consistent and god is you know one and the same all the way across it's something that's hard to wrap your head around yeah and that's not to say like obviously there are legitimate times where people are obviously walking outside of god's will Mm -hmm. right in in certain circumstances that's not for us to judge Mm -hmm. but just realizing that it's possible for someone to have a vibrant, healthy relationship with Yeshua and yet disagree with me.
Yeah, and Ben, the strange thing too is in the believing world, it's a big temptation for us to desire outward performance from people over inward transformation. And we need to be able to look at in our own hearts and say, do I care more about my friend's inward transformation and that they're inwardly meeting with Messiah and growing in their relationship with him at the stage of their journey that God wants them to be at? Or do I care more about their outward performance and that they look like me or that they look like my congregation or that they're fitting uh, some kind of cookie cutter that I have in my mind for them because I have a wonderful plan for their life. But we do need to step back and say, hey, wow, am I being controlling in a religious sense or spiritually manipulative in some way? And we don't want to go there. Right. Well, and at what point in time is is like, yes, we need to be absolutely focused on on, you know, building up our brother and and, you know, helping them grow and, and things. But when when does it become an issue where our heart it's a we're being conceited and and almost prideful in saying well i'm right and you're wrong and so you need to agree with me and 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 what what point in time does our heart get out of control and we're in the wrong just by our motivation to get them to look like us right <laughs> it's kind of like what yeshua said about trying to take the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye. Yeah, it's difficult. It's, it is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I've never tried it, but it's, well, not literally anyway. <laughs> but it doesn't sound like it's an easy thing to do. Yeah, and again, you know, the point is not that we embrace relativism or say that theological dis differences are not important, right? The point is not to suddenly say, theology doesn't matter at all, you can believe anything you want, as long as there's some vague thing happening inside you, we shouldn't make a beef about anything. I mean, that's there are some theological differences that are legitimate deal breakers, right? I think we can all agree on that. What would be some examples of that? Paul in Corinthians talked about a guy that was living in a very, like an incestuous relationship with a family member that was one from scripture that came up. Yeah. He said, this guy can't continue doing this and you know, call himself a believer and be a part of the community. Yeah, I think if you're debating about the validity of Yeshua being the Messiah, yeah, um, that's, you're no longer a believer, right? If If, if you don't believe that Yeshua is God, then it's you don't believe that he's God, right? And that's right. <laughs> the identity of Yeshua. Yeah. Um, God's word, you yeah. know, I think would be another one of those deal breakers if you start saying, well, you know, the Bible maybe isn't really God's word or, or something like that. You know, then suddenly you're on a completely different playing field, right? We're not even playing the same game anymore. <laughs> well, you have you have no authoritative background to to measure anything against right no measuring right. stick yeah so so yeah obviously there are legitimate deal breakers out there when it comes to theological differences right and and we need to be we need to be willing to stand firm on things like that right i'm definitely we're not supposed to have like some sort of 
relativist pluralistic attitude towards these things that all opinions are are good and all opinions are equal but within within certain parameters we have to be willing to live with differences because it's inevitable right we could we could agree on all the major issues but then still we're still going to find something that we disagree about right Absolutely. And, and are you talking ben just to clarify here are you talking when we're talking about the the authority of scripture so things that are defined as sin in scripture that's not what you're talking about here we're talking about theological issues not sin issues correct right yep so for example like having a particular timeline of how the end times is, is going to pan out that might disagree with someone else like right like i well, i believe this trumpet is going to fall on you know this date or you know that there's going to be a seven year time frame and someone else says well no it's going to be a three and a half year tribulation and you know there are things like that that we can legitimately disagree about right and and it's okay we can live with that right or debating the day that Yeshua was crucified yeah what what day was Yeshua crucified on was it a Friday was it a Thursday was it a Wednesday? Was it none of the above? <laughs> you know, it, it's it's possible to still function together in community in the midst of those differences, right? So one thing that I know is has been a divisive issue in, in many congregations is a calendar issue. Mm -hmm. So what's your guys' opinion on on the calendar and how that fits in? Do you need to all be in agreement on a calendar in order to practically meet together and fellowship together? Well, it's funny. In the Messianic movement, we were talking about values during the podcast about vision. Yeah. But it's good to step back and say, well, firstly, what are our values? And in the Messianic movement, for years and like decades, the biggest value has been truth. So, like, I could die on my mountain of truth as long as I'm right, and I'll be the last man standing. Right. But if we all just step back and, and look at the values and say, what values are most important to us and why, it might help out as well. Because if we're in a community and everybody has the number one value of truth, there might not, it might be a community of one, a yeah. whole bunch of people <laughs> out on their own meeting at home. Because there, there need to be other values involved. And some of those values are relational harmony, working together, camaraderie. Truth is in there, but these all need to work together. Love. Um, so the calendar is a big one. And obviously, if you're on different calendars, maybe you're trying to meet on different days. But because love is one of the huge values in the Bible, I believe that a community even with different ideologies and calendar, can still meet together on one day, pick the day that the community is going to meet, and that can work out. I'll give an example from my own experience. Uh, when I was living in London, Ontario, I was attending a congregation that is led by the man who was to become my future father-in-law. I didn't know that at the time. Uh, but there came a bit of a a disagreement that came up when it was time to celebrate Shavuot. 
my community back home, and my conviction was to celebrate Shavuot on a certain date, but this congregation was going to celebrate it on a different date. So, and I had a conversation with the leader of the congregation, who was going to be my father-in-law, <laughs> and we disagreed. And we had even, I would say, a bit of a heated conversation about this, and uh, saying why we each thought our why we each held to our conviction about which day we should celebrate Shavuot. But when it came time to actually celebrate Shavuot, I came and I celebrated it with them on their day because my belief was that the festivals are meant to be celebrated in community. And mm -hmm. for me to insist on my own way and then just stay at home by myself celebrating it on my own was not really celebrating it. And my father-in-law was actually shocked that I was there and that I was willing to celebrate with them uh, because he had been used to so many people arguing for what they thought was right and then just pulling the ultimatum and saying this you know that's it I'm taking my stand I'm out of here see you later right and not to say that I did everything right but just that we have to be willing to see like you were saying David more values than just being right it mm. has to it has to be bigger than that and it's easy to forget about the national and communal aspects of the festivals too like the feast of atonement the fast of atonement is a national fast day and if i'm in my backyard somewhere keeping the fast on a separate day than everyone in the whole world it, it suddenly is not a national fast it, yeah it, it it's just a different approach so Right. Yeah. And not to not to hijack the whole podcast episode onto the topic of the calendar, but right. <laughs> you know, this is this is a good example though of how differences work in messianic communities. And I've definitely seen situations where calendar has wreaked havoc in communities, but I have also seen situations where it can work. Even in the midst of slight differences, you know, like the, the example I gave, if people are willing to lay down their weapons and compromise, quote unquote, to the point of being able to gather together, um, it can work. But it's when it's when we stick to our guns and are not willing to sway from that, that calendar differences in a community don't work so do you think the problem is is that often we're we're looking for for reasons to divide and fight yes you're right chris you know we're we we sometimes almost look for the things that are going to cause division so we're like well i disagree from you on this and this and this and we almost look at it as being able to put people in box okay you're part of this group you believe this so it, it's almost a way of categorizing people so we don't actually you know because i think our brains we want to categorize people so it's like we look through and like okay you're associated with these guys and you're associated with these guys and we don't actually then really feel like we have to get to know the people individually we can just put them in a box to say they're with they're in this camp and so I kind of know what you're about and I don't actually have to get to know you because I've already decided that, that this is what you're about. 
It's true, Chris, because sometimes a person can be looking for some sense of validation in being different. And I mean, we're talking about being different here. That's an unhealthy way to be different, looking to have differences to stand out right. and to be the odd one out. And even if everyone else ends up coming to your perspective, you might switch to the other view. And it becomes evident that you just want to be different and stand out and maybe contrary to everyone else. Yeah. So yeah, there's a, a place in which we have to be willing to live with differences. Um, and there's a place in which we do need to be able to come to a happy medium of some sort, right? Uh, in in being able to function together. Now, the thing about differences is that differences tend to create tension. And when that tension creates anxiety, that's when people start becoming uncomfortable with it and start reacting, right? So how can we deal with that tension without it building up as anxiety? How can we, how can we deal with differences that we come across without it becoming an emotional thing that starts to affect us? Or maybe another way of asking the question is, how do you love and accept those who differ from you while still standing firm in your position and holding your ground? Ben, maybe one way is simply stating it that clearly, saying, hey, I love and accept you, even though you have a difference from me, and I appreciate having a dialogue and a conversation about our differences right now. But often we won't say it that clearly. We won't affirm someone and just say, hey, I want to get all the cards on the table. Our relationship is very important to me and I value you as a friend. I want to make sure that our dialogue right now is built on that fact. That often doesn't happen in our congregations. We assume it. Well, I think oh, one way that we're used to doing it all the time is when what people choose to eat. Right, like somebody could be vegan and they choose to be vegan, but most people aren't trying to convince them not to be vegan. They just accept, okay, you're vegan, that's fine. And a lot of times people will make allowances and, and do what they can to work around them being vegan. But as soon as we but as soon as we put a theological lens over top of it, all of a sudden things get a lot more emotional and hazy. It's like if I tell somebody I, I don't eat pork for religious reasons, that all of a sudden becomes a lot more of a lightning rod than me saying I'm vegan, which is hilarious. Right. But, it, <laughs> but it's the way it is, right? But we've we've figured out how to do that for people's personal dietary needs or choices. But like you said at the beginning, like as soon as we... Th- bring theology into it it becomes a lot more emotional in this like lightning rod effect yeah i think too it's important to define what unity really is right because a lot of people whether consciously or unconsciously tend to define unity as sameness right everyone being the same is when we're actually in unity. But that's not what unity really is, right? Sameness means that everyone has to stop being themselves. (laughs) 
Everyone has to cease to be their own distinct, different person and instead just, you know, pull the party line and, and everyone act the same, right? If you have a different opinion, well, if you want to be in unity, you have to get rid of that different opinion and adopt the opinion that everyone else has. There's never going to be a group of people on Earth that is going to achieve a level of sameness like that that is sustainable. And so if that's our definition of unity, we're never going to achieve it. Yeah, so what have you guys found like to be the thing that can draw people together to have unity without without requiring sameness? Maybe a clear vision and a clear mission. Uh-huh. If you're talking about a congregation or a group of people, knowing what do we want to accomplish as a team and that can draw people together. Because um, it's easy to just get stuck sometimes without looking up and looking further than today. So maybe looking ahead a year, saying, where would we like to be and what would we like to have accomplished? Uh, yeah, one that pops into my head is like Nehemiah, right? Like he had a very clear vision of we're going to rebuild the wall, right? And he was able to bring all these people who, you know, were obviously very different and unify them and accomplish something. And they were able to overlook their differences because they had a common they had a common goal. They had a common interest in it. And we're able to, you know, just push through. But yeah. um, do you think that sometimes we, we don't have that? Going back to the need for vision, do, do you think that sometimes with lack of vision, that's where a lot of this stuff comes into play, where you have the focus on the individual differences and not the unity? I think that definitely lacking vision will, our focus will be on each other and it will be inward right if we're not headed in a direction and focused on that direction we're going to just focus on ourselves and you can only focus on yourselves too long before you start to notice all the differences right mm-hmm. so working together with a common goal kind of keeps our keeps things in perspective right and helps us realize that our differences are are not that important, are not that significant, and that we can work together in spite of them. Yeah, and Chris, sometimes we're a lot like kids too. If I leave my kids alone too long, I know what is going to happen. They inevitably (laughs) are going to start to fight and bicker and squabble, and it's not their fault. I mean, but it does happen, and I need to be able to come in and say, hey guys, maybe you've been coloring long enough. Let's move on and make some paper airplanes. But it's giving them a vision for something they can do together. They can have differences. They can approach it from different angles. And these airplanes are going to fly great. We're going to have a good time. But sometimes we need to refresh the vision too. Or shift it a bit and say, hey, we need to do something slightly different. Or maybe go to a different room. Or change the style of the way we're doing things. Mm -hmm. That's right. And and I think a big thing too is just our level of emotional and relational maturity going back to our episode from a couple episodes ago the less emotionally mature we are the more differences are going to bother us 
and the harder time we will have with being able to work together in spite of those differences. And I think that's something that we can grow in as individuals. It's also something we can grow in as communities and as families, right? So I think with that, we're going to wrap up this conversation for right now, and we will continue this next time. The Discipleship Discussion podcast is brought to you by Segula.net. Our goal is to cast a vision for a healthy and mature Messianic Torah movement and deal with issues that affect our everyday lives as disciples of Yeshua. If you have suggestions for topics that we should discuss on this show, send us an email at feedback at segula.net. Whether you're Messianic, Hebrew Roots, Christian, Torah Observant, or whatever lingo you prefer, we hope this conversation has been a blessing to you. And together, may we all become a glorious people in Messiah. Thank you.